In a world full of too many football podcasts, comes another football podcast. One man's quest to find the answers. Okay, boys. Let's go to work. Now, live from Pine Grove Studio B, it's Let Me Be Frank with T. Frank. I haven't seen a whole lot of Penn State football so far this spring, but that is what we're talking about today on Let Me Be Frank. I'm T. Frank, Penn State football wrapping up spring practice, so we're going to attack that from a couple different ways today. Uh, luckily, before we get to that, it is much easier to find the subscribe button. Like, it's so much easier to find the subscribe button because it's right there. Like, it's always right there. As far as footage of Penn State, anyone who's seen something, like... You can go to the dark web, but, you know, you're not going to find much. Okay, let's hit it. No, 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 the subscribe button. I'll hit the video once you hit that. This is Let Me Be Frank. Penn State football heading into their final spring scrimmage on Saturday, previously known as the Blue-White Game. Here are five players that need to have a good spring for Penn State football. Coming in at number five, everyone's favorite Canadian safety, Jonathan Sutherland. Sutherland has been a standout on special teams and a rotational player on defense for Brent Pry on the back seven since his freshman season, where he even got a couple of starts due to injury. That being said, Sutherland has not been able to lock down a long-term starting role at safety despite multiple attempts over the years. This may be his last best chance, and he's currently locked in a battle with Juco transfer safety Jair Brown. The reason he's not higher on this list? Because Sutherland is likely to have a big role on special teams still, was a captain in 2020, and is likely to have a similar role on defense even if he doesn't start, as Penn State likes to rotate at least four players at safety on defense. Coming in at number four, State College's own Keaton Ellis. Ellis was a standout in 2019 as a part of the quarterback rotation, where he held his own against Big Ten opponents. Michigan State and Rutgers, but struggled against Minnesota, Ohio State, and Indiana. Overall, he had a good freshman campaign, but struggled in 2020, thanks mostly due to injuries. He didn't get a chance to play until Week 11 versus Nebraska, though he did close the season strong versus Illinois. Heading into 2021, it's likely that Ellis will have a bounce-back season, but he also doesn't have a choice. The Nittany Lions have brought in depth and competition at the cornerback position with sophomore transfer Johnny Dixon, along with freshman Kalen King, who's coming in as a part of the class of 2021. That's not to mention the fact that the cornerback rotation is already stocked with Joey Porter Jr., Treat Castro-Fields returning for his final season, and Marquise Wilson all vying for snaps. On to number three on our list of Penn State football players that need to have a strong spring wide receiver Cam Sullivan-Brown. Sullivan-Brown has been poised for a breakout season since before TikTok was popular. Sullivan-Brown is being talked up once again as a guy who might flash for Penn State this year. Uh, CSB is a guy that, you know, um, I think there's a lot of excitement about a guy that going into last year was the starter. 
And then you have, uh, obviously, Parker and Keandre, who ended up playing a lot of football for us last year. And Injuries have been a problem for Cam Sullivan-Brown, who hasn't played a full season for Penn State at this point in his career. In fact, the last time he topped 100 snaps in any season was his freshman campaign, according to PFF. He'll be once again pushed on the depth chart by players younger than him, most notably sophomore receiver Keandre Lambert-Smith, who flashed in his absence in 2020. The saving grace for Cam Sullivan-Brown? The fact that Lambert-Smith also struggled in 2020 and didn't secure the job for himself heading into this spring. He'll also be pushed by freshman receivers who have yet to arrive on campus. Harrison Wallace, Lonnie White Jr., and Liam Clifford are all expected to enter the competition, but won't be here until the summer at the earliest. We'll take a quick detour at number two, because this player doesn't necessarily need to have a strong spring, but Penn State would really like it if he did. We're talking about backup quarterback Taquan Roberson. Roberson is a virtual unknown to the Penn State fan base because he's yet to actually throw a pass during the regular season. Roberson inherits the backup duties from Will Levis, who transferred to Kentucky, presumably to start in 2021. If Roberson is unable to secure that job, he'll be replaced by true freshman quarterback Christian Veyu, who I like to potentially apologize to because his name was not in the Spring Media Guide pronunciation guide, and I don't know if that's how you say his name. Either way, Penn State would likely be uncomfortable with a true freshman backing up incumbent starter Sean Clifford. Finally, we've reached the top. The number one player on our list that needs to have a strong spring. By the way, before we get there, congratulations to you for reaching this point. This is really an accomplishment by you. The number one player on our list that needs to have a strong spring, that'd be running back Devin Ford. Ford flashed big play in waiting potential in 2019, and 2020 was to be his year where he would be a breakout big play candidate. Unfortunately, that's not how it played out for Ford. From his infamous week one touchdown versus Indiana, to seeding time and carries, to true freshman Kevon Lee, to being injured and finishing 2020 with a sputter. For his part, Ford says he's refocused himself this offseason to focusing on the details. Just going into meetings and taking more notes more carefully, coming to the facility when you need to on times off, getting the extra work, just little things, eating better. If you break out the Penn State running back room by a positional skill set, you'll see that it's not exactly one big competition, but several players vying for a role on the offense. While Penn State will rotate through at least three running backs in one game, you can see Noah Kane and Kevon Lee sharing time as the team's lead or power back, while John Lovett, Keziah Holmes, and Ford are the secondary or explosive running back and the home run threat. In that aspect, Keziah Holmes flashed last year as a potential big play threat in the backfield, though he did not have enough snaps to make a true impact on the season. However, he was named the fastest freshman in America coming out in the 2020 class. Whether it's the newcomer Lovett, the rising star in Holmes, or the incumbent in Ford, someone will be losing carries at some point. There you have it. Those are the five players that need to have a strong spring for Penn State football. I'm T. Frank. This is Let Me Be Frank. This is Let Me Be Frank. All right, so Penn State football heading into their spring scrimmage, which should be typically called the blue-white game. Um, This would be a time where everyone's getting a massive sunburn, 
and uh, we're outside for the first time this spring, but none of that's going to happen this year. No tailgating, nothing like that. So to get a little bit of that flavor, um, I figured I'd start a segment that I wanted to do since I started this show, a segment where we just BS together, my friend Brian and I. Uh, this is the segment called Beers with Brian. Brian, thanks for coming on and making me relatable. Thanks, Steve. Right? <laughs> so what are you drinking? First off, let's start there. Um, this is a uh, double IPA and Ooh. because it was an interesting can that I got on a can exchange with my future brother-in-law, I don't know the name of it, but it's oh. delicious. Very good. That's good. It looks, it looks really hazy. It looks, um, it is, it's a, it's a hazy double. It's, yeah. it's pretty nice. Ooh, that's nice. It has like Einstein on the front of the can. Couldn't tell you what it is though. Isn't that the best though? I love that's that's like um like that's an adult Christmas stocking, right? Yes, essentially. Like, and you're yeah. just going in. Like, if I don't go and I don't like check it in on untapped, I have no idea what I drank. Like, people are like, "Have you had this?" And I'll be like, "Oh, hold on." <laughs> Wait, yes, in uh, June 2019, I tried this. <laughs> I gave it 4.25. <laughs> It depends when you drank it, how many stars you'd give it. That, I mean, that would happen to me. I'm like, this is awesome. And it was I'm like, so the nice fourth about year. it. Yeah. Right. I'm so nice about it, though. Like a lot of people are like, this is crap. And I'm like, man, I had four years where I drank nothing <laughs> that was even remotely tasty. Like if you get something that I could just I can just slug down and it, it tastes good. You get a four. It, yeah. You're all on it. So what's a five? It's five stars, right? I don't have untapped. So it's what's a yeah, five? Yeah, it's five stars. It's it just got to blow your mind. Like for me, mm -hmm. it's just got to be like, oh, okay. Like there's different types. Like you got like your stouts and your sours and the IPAs. And you know when you have one, what a five is. Like it's hard yeah. to describe. You know what it is when you have it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like my beers sort of like I am. I like mine very stumpy and really heavy. So I need a. I usually need a stout, something that is like you, you got to chew it to get it down. Those are typically the beers I like. So we're sadly exiting stout season. We're in yeah, I have, that. I have three of them in my fridge that I was looking at and I was like, I don't know if I can do 11 percent right now. <laughs> There's too much sun outside. There's too much hope. I can't do 11 percent. Right? What's a coffee porter going to do for me right now? Like that, it's like I, I'm like a yard is green. I gotta cut it. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, I, by the way, I am drinking an advertising opportunity. So you know, uh, a delicious advertising opportunity. Uh, this is a, a wonderful beer, and the great thing is, uh, you can put whatever name you want on it. Whoever, just it's saying. Not, there's no shame there. Absolutely none. No shame. Well, I mean, if we do this segment more than once, these are going to get more ridiculous. So the only thing that's going to stay the same is the beers with Brian part. Right. Like your ad here. Did you look at my sketchbook? I must have. <laughs> uh, my favorite. And I don't I don't know. I, I won't spoil it yet, but I have one. Once we reach a, a peak, I am definitely putting it on a beer cozy and putting on a website for somebody to buy because I, <laughs> I believe it's going to be a hot seller. I mean, it might be, but nobody knows yet. So we'll find out. Even uh, if one person buys it, though, you're on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like you're an, you're an Etsy. You're like official on Etsy. If just like one person hits the click button, like they could be like eight deep one night, and they just be like that's funny. Done. <laughs> I actually I've sold something on Etsy before, believe it or not. Uh, I, look at I, you. Yeah, I know. I'm an. You rate that one down on the old resume. Is that on <laughs> your LinkedIn? Do you have that on your LinkedIn? Sold something on Etsy one time. <laughs> Making bracelets and stuff like that. Like, oh, uh, he is, he is depth. <laughs> yes, I've got all kinds of corporate sales uh, ability because I sold a I sold a photograph to a lady on Etsy one time, and then I oh promptly my closed my shop because it was open for eight months, and that was the only one. That sold. <laughs> and somebody's just like, "Wow, this flower is fantastic! I need this in my den." Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so I got a question for you. Snap your fingers and you are a freshman at Penn State this year. First off, good for you. Also, sorry. Um, but would you be excited to go to the spring scrimmage this year? My guess is yes. And I say that with slight hesitation because it's not like, what, what am I watching? Like, right. It's, it's practice. Like, I didn't get the full experience. I didn't get to do the wave and all that other stuff. And. Um, you don't know, like me being naive freshman doesn't know how cool a game is if I've never been to one before. Right. Like, when I, before I went, I had gone to a Penn State game and I was like, so I knew what to expect when I was a freshman. Like these guys just going in, they're gonna be like, this is like kind of lame. Like, yeah. What is this? Yeah. Especially without all the other preamble that we're doing right now, you know, without that sort of carnival atmosphere, what you're doing is you're doing my job. You're going to watch a practice, and I don't know how many freshmen are like super excited about that. I mean, I would have been, I would have been, uh, you know, huge football nerd. But I, I, you're right. Like, there is the like, would it be fun? Like, this would be cool for like, yeah, right. You like, whenever I was there, like, it would been, I, I would have had a blast. I'm like, this is great. Can you believe they were in the like the outside zone and the inside zone? You'd be like, and like my friend next to me would be like, they ran the ball. Right. Like, who cares? Right. Who cares? You don't understand. They've never, it's like, I don't care. They didn't throw a touchdown. The one thing I would be interested in is just like all of the girls that are in front of me just yelling, tackle him because that <laughs> is what their dad yelled at the TV whenever they were watching football growing up. Like how many times like we're, we're on offense. Why are you screaming? Tackle him <laughs> like once a game. I swear. <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be like. How many, like maybe a thousand people in hundred thousand seat stadium. So like the whole thing is going to be bizarre and I'm, I'm a little bit fascinated by it, but I also in a certain sense, don't care, you know, like it, it's the final yeah. practice that they're going to, it's not the blue white game. Like it traditionally is. So um, even the blue white game traditionally is, I mean, it's the glorified practice, but the fun happens from like eight to whenever kick is. Yeah. Like, and sometimes actually, till like two hours after. Right. How many times do you talk to somebody like, I didn't even go in, couldn't even make it. And you're like, yeah. or, or I went in and like, like, like Chippy Ellie had scored three touchdowns. Like, what are we even <laughs> what are we yeah. talking about here? I think you probably remember that one. That was a, an interesting game. Walk on running back. Do you remember him? No. Chippy Ellie. Yes. He may have the gotten name, like, now you, a you, carry. You said it. In, yeah. You said it enough times now that I remember it. Yeah. 
just another one of those tryhards on the on the walk on. The one I remember the most was the Bill O'Brien one that he's just like, screw it at halftime. We're done because it was raining so hard. Like he's just, ah, eh, we're done. Yeah. This is pointless. That's the one I remember the most because I was like, oh, okay, so that's what we're doing. <laughs> My day just ended. There was one that I didn't go to because it was raining so hard. I like looked out the window. I go, yep, I'm good. Not going to that one. Yeah. So do you have any uh, just like high level football thoughts or thoughts in general about spring football this year? Like, what I, are you paying attention to? Well, like, I guess it's these guys who come in early, like the, the freshmen that the early entrance, like I try to like assistant through the roster looking for their names. And then like, I will look for articles that have their names in them because they only get mentioned if they stand out yeah. like, like the King kids, like the, the twins. Mm-hmm. If one of them is doing good, um, then I'll look out for that. Um, I don't expect anything from the young QB, but like, it's cool to see them because it might be the only time we watch them throw a pass at Penn state. Like, like yeah. no doubt, like the Canadian kid who I don't know how to say his last name and I'm not going to mess it up here. They, you, I, they, uh, you. James, yeah, right. J- James said it this week. So I, uh, I got a little bit of confirmation a little too late cause he's also in the episode earlier. Uh, but I did. Luckily, I said it right both times. So, yeah, they is how we say they you. OK, yeah. cool. Because like usually I wait for the spring game for the, the broadcaster to get it right. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, they I knew it the whole time. Knew I, the I, whole did. Time. I knew it. I knew it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and if you if you didn't watch the spring game a couple years ago, you would have never seen Taquan Roberson throw a football at this point. So. Yeah, and you I could don't be know left-handed. That... I have no idea. <laughs> I also give them props that they didn't call him six feet tall because you know how that works, right? Where you always have the um, you got the you got the quarterback that isn't six feet tall, but he's definitely six feet. Like they call him five eleven in the in the in the uh, in the media guide, so he's definitely not six feet tall. And I give him props for being honest on that one, which means he's probably five ten. Well, nobody's five ten, right? Yeah, isn't that right. how the saying goes? Nobody's five ten. It just sounds nice. You're either five nine or five eleven. There's no yeah. five foot ten people in the whole world. <laughs> well, at least men, yeah. right? No, absolutely. It sound, yeah, it sounds close enough to be six foot because you can just be like ah five ten. I'm almost six foot, but yeah. like five yeah. nine sounds short in your head, so you always say five ten. Yeah, and there is no there is no mistaking someone who's five nine for somebody who's six feet tall. So it's an obvious lie. But we all do it, especially in sports. Like, oh, my gosh. Did you see Rashad Bateman, how he shrunk uh, at his pro day? I can't. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that he was like 6'2 as like a yeah. as a senior. And he was like 5'11 and three quarters as pro day or something yeah, like that. He, he was just tickling over six feet tall, but he lost about two inches. Now, he did lose weight from COVID. So that's a thing. But like. COVID doesn't make you shorter. So that just goes to show no, you that he's not everybody's lying. Man, right? Like yeah. You don't lose height until you're way, way late in age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so about quickly, though, about Kalen King, uh, one of the King brothers you mentioned, uh, James Franklin did say this week that he is the most advanced freshman they've ever had on campus um, during their time at Penn State. So, wow. Do you believe that? You know, he... He was a he went out of his way to say it. So that's the I do believe that he also talked about he 
he stopped the press conference from going to the next question after a question about the O-line because he wanted to talk about Bryce Effner. And usually he doesn't single out players unless he wants to. So, yeah, I do. Um, and I really so, you know, I, I broke down his his high school tape and he had some advanced level stuff as far as ball recognition. So I'm not terribly surprised, but to be on a college level, that is that is impressive. Um, I just don't know how they're going to play all these kids like they're stacked at corner. Yeah, maybe they can make one of them a linebacker because they have no depth there. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you, yeah. I, I wish you would have said that about his brother, Kobe. It'd be like, OK, cool. Like we got this good linebacker. That's refreshing. It's like <laughs> we got four people playing linebacker this year. And like yeah, the, and- the, the, def- the defensive line depth, like they're going to call somebody in East Halls at some point. If there's yeah. one injury, they're done. Yeah. That, well, there's a there's a there's a ton of young kids that nobody knows. And, you know, the spring game would have been a great time for everyone to get to know them. But here we are having virtual beers still. Um, the 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 linebacker part is funny, too, because of the four that they have, fans don't want one of them even seeing the field. So really, you've got your starters. And then after that, you're just praying that they never come off the field at linebacker. No, you're right. No, yeah, definitely. 100 percent. Yeah, the same thing with like offensive linemen, Clifford, yeah. anybody who could get any type of like action at running back. Like they should all just be yeah. standing there, like getting phone numbers and like waving to the other fans there. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, seriously, if like you see, like, if you see, like, no, I know Noah Kane hasn't practiced really like in full participation, but if you see like that transfer, or any of the um, whose name escapes me, or Lee or um, Holmes, yeah. like tote the ball on Saturday. You'd be like, "Don't tackle him, please." Whatever you do, just don't do it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about watching Kaziah Holmes. I think he's going to be super productive. Like there there were a lot there were a couple of plays on tape last year where he just did stuff that I haven't seen in a while from a Penn State running back as far as like just making people look foolish and obviously he needs to be more consistent in doing that. But he's, he's the guy that's got the most home run skills while also like being able to break tackles. So I'm super interested to see if they do incorporate more of the outside zone, they do run a little more of the perimeter running. Cause I think he's tailor made to hit home runs. If the offensive line takes that next step this year, which uh, I, I said this week, um, Cam Sullivan Brown has been uh, ready to have a breakout season since TikTok was before TikTok was popular. And I feel like that's what the offensive line has been doing. Like ever since Twitter started, the offensive line has been ready to have a breakout season. So like at some point that has to happen. And who the hell knows? Maybe 2021, it all comes together at the same time. But I'm, I'm excited about that kid. I think he's got some pretty, pretty serious potential. And the offensive line, like, that was that was pretty putrid last year. I mean, just from like like just thousand foot view or from the couch view watching TV, like wow, they're not getting any push. Yeah, and 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 now they're playing tic tac toe with them and just you know seeing what fits where. And I guess it could help. And I'm always optimistic, but part of me is just like, can I just be good at one thing? You're right, right. Or, well, can I just be good at tackle? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting situation too, because I think, you know, who a couple of the guys are going to be like Mike Miranda, obviously 
had the inside track to be one of the starters at one of the positions. Juice Scruggs, the way he was playing at the end of the season, like nothing's stopping him. And then you got Rashid Walker. So, oh, here's with Brian. Um, what uh, what else after that? Like, who's you know, is Caden Wallace the other tackle? Like, is he locked in there? And then who's at center? What's the combination going to be like? Because I do think they have talented players. Um, but where are they going to play? And are, do they do they work together? That's going to be interesting. Um, and then you know, full season with Phil Troutwine coaching them. Like we we got done this week talking to him, and he's one of those guys when he talks, I'm just like, yep. I buy I like I'm buying into what he's saying because like everything mm-hmm. he says checks the boxes of like that's how you're successful at football and he's had success at every stop that he's been at. So hopefully for Penn State fans like that actually hits for once because yeah, that to me, that's the biggest difference is they've gotten athletes like they've gotten athletes along the offensive line, but they just need that extra thing to bring it all out of them. And we'll see if Troutwine is the guy to do that because, I mean, at a certain point, you'd think all that high-level recruiting was going to show up on the field. Right. I, was it was a minute a five-star or like a really high, like number one center yeah. in his class or something like that? Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it was his fault that his stock wasn't higher. I think a lot had to do with what was going around him. But yeah, yeah for whatever reason – it's it's like it's really hard to tell a good offensive lineman when the other four are playing poorly around them. Right. If that yeah. makes sense. So like I don't know, I guess the last couple of years there's always been like that one spot or two spots that have been kind of like eh and yeah. it makes the whole line look bad like you t- we talked about um Holmes a couple minutes ago and I was excited to watch him play because I saw the same video everybody else did. He's wearing 26. He did like front flip over somebody and kick yeah. flip and, you know, 720 McTwist, at, <laughs> yeah. you know, and broke a tackle. Yeah. And then like his first carry, he got like arm tackled at his shin. And I was just like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, he, that... I mean, once again, it's like it, you've talked about it in your previous podcast. Like, could be zone the scheme. It could be he wasn't getting a lot up front. Could be it was his first game and he's used to playing against 160 pound defensive ends. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. So the other thing that I the other thing I thought was interesting, um, there was this conversation, this idea, going back to the corner position, somebody's gotta move, right? So the idea was somebody was gonna move from corner to safety because there was obviously an opening there and uh competition and everyone kept coming back to um Keaton Ellis and I'm like Keaton Ellis isn't 200 pounds like how the hell is he gonna play safety and like I never got that like what am I missing there Brian what am I missing about Keaton Ellis playing safety I mean I'm not sure because I I wouldn't I wouldn't know what would make a good safety in that scheme. Cause like we watched Lamont Wade and he clearly wasn't like, yeah. I mean, he was big for a, like a little guy. He was like stacked, but like, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call him like a big safety. He did yeah, play he, down in the bo- box. He played but, like, big. But he played about... bigger than what he was. I mean, yeah. you almost want to look at somebody who is the most, who has the best ball skills and is the most athletic. Because yeah, that, you could probably put Brisker down lower because 
ball skills are okay. And I assume that he can catch better than what he did last year because he could have had like what three or four picks and he had one and a fumble. Yeah. Hey, and, but I do think that he got better as the season went on. He got to the catch point a lot more and he was starting to show kind of, I, I think he was starting to show more of a complete game where he could trigger down into the run game. And also if he had to play single high safety, he could get to the sideline. It was Rutgers, but like he made some pretty impressive plays on the ball where he got to the sideline and it disrupted the pass. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm interested to see how he does because that's another place. It's not like they're not talented in the secondary. They've had some talented players. Uh, and this is going to be something I'm, I'm going to get into in a future episode about like what their coverage scheme is, what they do. And I think there's one thing that they're missing and that they've been, that's eluded them when it comes to things they need to make their scheme work because it's all it's like, it's a lot of zone and it's a lot of pre-snap, you know, stuff to confuse the quarterback that takes a certain type of player. And that's, mm-hmm. that's part of, that's part of it too, of like, you're going to move Keaton Ellis there. Like he's a corner. He's played the corner on the boundary his whole life. And you need a guy who's got instinct positions and, and all that stuff. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get that idea other than he tackles really well for a corner in the flat, which is like the bare minimum you want in a safety. That's like, that's like, uh, like, I guess it opens the door, but when it comes to everything else in the position, there's so much more that goes into playing the safety position than just, can you tackle? I mean, fair fair enough, but these kids are so, the thing is, is like, I think it's easier to move a corner to safety now than it would be in, you know, corner safety as a pro like yeah some of yeah, the some of yeah. the younger guys like you may want to just be like hey maybe we just move you back like try playing away from the ball we'll put some weight on you we know that our weight staff can do that we'll still keep you super fast yeah you know yeah um it, that's what i think and it's weird that this year they have so much talent and there's you feel m- much more secure about them on the back end when last year it was they had a lot of questions on the back end and they were great up front. It, they, it just flipped on you yeah. with graduation yeah, and players leaving. I mean, it, last year, like 2020 was weird. So like if there was yeah. a year to be bad and nobody's going to care about it, last year was the year. Yeah, for sure. That actually brings up uh, something I want to talk about because you are a lifelong Steelers fan and uh, the Steelers are p- picking in an interesting spot in the draft. Which player would you most like to see the Steelers draft if it were one of the Penn State players? And you can even go off the wall if you want to go like one of the guys in the later rounds or anything like that. But who do you who would you be most excited by if they were drafted by uh, the Steelers? It would be away. Yeah. And the reason the reason I say that and I would take Parsons ahead of him, just like I'm trying to think of like who would who would they actually have a shot at? Like if right, Parsons right. fell there, I think they'd take him regardless. I just think that they would. Where would like, he play they, for they would, Pittsburgh? I just, I think they would figure it out. Yeah. I don't think that it would be necessary. Like, you could play him when they do their base 3-4, which they don't do that often, but he would be the second linebacker. He could play downhill against the run, and you could yeah. let Bush play in pass coverage. And then you could actually rush him on yeah. as an edge guy in – you know, on third down. So he would be an interesting player 
for them to have because they can do so much. They've had talented players like that with that coaching staff before, and they've yeah. done a lot with them. Um, the reason I like OA is because Bud Dupree just left and their games match each other. Yeah. It's you think really, really uh, not a lot of production in college, yeah. super athletic. They set the edge really well and so fast they can chase down um, that outside run from behind. And yeah. that is something that both of them could do. And when Bud Dupree got hurt, that's when the slide happened for the Steelers. A lot of things happened, but that was one of the things that happened. Right. And you lost that play. There were the, the guy who beat the offensive tackle off the outside and either brought the running back into Cam Hayward or pushed him outside to TJ Watt. What do you think of uh, Alex Highsmith? Because I liked him. I liked him as a project last year when I watched this film. I thought he had a lot of potential if he could put on some weight. And I saw some good things from him. So, like, obviously, Jason Oway is a special athlete. So I'm not going to be like, oh, you know what? We're good. We've got Allie Highsmith. But, like, what do you think of him? Is that Does he make that feel a little better? Or are you still looking to upgrade that position? It's not an upgrade. It's like, don't you kind of need three there, though? Because like so, you're not so to it and Hayward change my opinion. I would agree with you, but to it and Hayward are so good on the interior that it, it really creates one on ones across the board with your starting with your starting four linemen. So my, my my I guess my issue is is that somebody's always going to go down on the edge. Yeah. Somebody's you got to give breathers. So if you can constantly get rush in when when TJ's over on the sideline, which in the playoff game they had. Uh, I forget what his first name is, but Marsh was out there running around and nothing against oh, the yeah. guy, but like, yeah, he's not an elite edge guy. He was never going to get a stack in a playoff yeah. game. So you kind of just need a little bit of depth there. So that's why I said it like 24, if he was there and they took him, like most people would be mad. A lot of radio shows would be mad, but yeah. I would understand it. Like from a defensive standpoint, I think you can you can do a lot with him too because he's so athletic. Yeah, and like I don't think he's, he's, he's as huge. Raw. Yeah, I see that. I, I I don't think he's as raw as people want to peg him as. Now, part of it is he is more raw than you'd want going into the NFL, but I think you can see a clear progression. He's gotten better at his time at Penn State. So that's not like a guy. The, my biggest problem with Bud Dupree is like he was the same dude the entire time at Kentucky. Like I, I always said, he, he was the best at watching football on the football field. Like he was fan. He was the best fan in the world. He had the best seat to watch somebody else make a play. He just ran around and had no idea where the ball was going. Um, now he got better over time, but I never thought he was an incredibly instinctual player. I, I see those things from Oway. It's just, can you get him more often? And given his track record in, in his story, I think he made strides in 2020 despite what was a terrible year. So I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a dominant sort of Miles Garrett edge rusher in day one. But I don't mm -hmm. think that this narrative of like he doesn't know how to play football, like that's what it's gotten to is like he doesn't really know how to play football. He doesn't know how to play the position. It's like, yes, he does. He just hasn't had enough time to take the things he's learned and experiment with him or like, you know, see what works and what doesn't work for him and develop those plans and all those things and, and continue learning. Uh, because the other thing is, and I know he said like, you know, he thought he was way better in 2020, but he never got to actually meet John Scott jr. 
his position coach until training camp. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know what you were expecting out of the guy in that situation. And, and then he decides to come out obviously, because you know, he knew of how course fast he, did. he was right. Yeah. Friar Muth would be too. If we had it, cause they, they need another tight end. Um, Is he a first round but, pick? Do you think? No, no. Okay. I actually think he's going to go in the third round to be honest. Really? Third round. Yeah. Um, Why is that? I think, I think that his athleticism is going to scare people, his speed, lack of speed. Um, if he was, if he had run at his pro day and we all watched him at the pro day. And if you clocked him, he's not, he might run sub five. Like he's probably a high four, high fours. I, I would have said four, seven or four, eight is where I would have put him not at the pro day, but like his game speed, I think is more four, seven, five, four, eight. Yeah. But regardless, he's not your new age. No, like what they have, like what the Steelers have now is, is Ebron who is a faster down the seam stretch yeah. the field type guy. Um, Pitts from Florida is more like that. And it's just one of those, one of those things where like, I can see him falling because you just because of the athleticism and not that I don't like him because I think he's a very good player. And I think he could, I think he'll play in the NFL for 15 years if he stays healthy. Yeah. Like if he could stay healthy, he's got, he's got an eight to 10, whatever right plus year career because he can block he's good in traffic and yeah. he can catch he's a good ball. receiver so like he's got right yeah he, he's he's good at the position the the thing that i i he said at his pro day that kind of concerns me is a lot of tight ends or a lot of uh teams see him as the move tight end and i think that like the thing that made him good was he was 260 pounds and he could catch as well as he could and he could move as well as he could as a receiver, not, you know, speed wise, but like functional movement skills as a receiver. And they want him to 50 and be in the move tight end. And I'm like, you want him being your good run blocker. And he provides that value as a receiver. If you have him primarily as the receiver, I feel like you're going to be disappointed. Like I feel like that's you setting yourself up for disappointment with him because his skill was the combination of the two, not one or the other. And, mm-hmm. and I don't like that, that in itself might cause some problems in his career that I'm, I would be concerned about. Yeah. I mean, he, he's going to have a career. And the reason why I said it'll be longer is because he has the late years will be a second tight end who blocks and scores goal yeah. line touchdowns. That's, I mean, early in his career, he has a chance to be a starter for a while, but that's good for him because he's super young and his, his prime is ahead of him. It's not behind him at Penn state. Yeah, he was just so good early because he was massive. Yeah, right. Like he was I, a massive, massive dude. His fl- his floor was so high. Yeah. Well, he came in as a grown man. I said that to somebody on, on a different show. I was like, he's been he's been the same guy since he was first on campus at Penn State. He's just been your dad uh, amongst a bunch of guys playing football. Like he's just been bigger than everybody else. And you know, I he I don't want to discredit the work he put in, but physically he never like took a quantum leap at any point. Now he got better at the position, but like that he was this. I think that was the disappointment is you saw that freshman year for some fans, and you thought, oh my gosh, look at this guy and like all American 
uh, aspirations this past year, and then the injury and everything else that went into it, it kind of left on a flat note. But I don't think he changed. Like, I don't think the what he was ever changed from day one, which is always super interesting because that's, you know, he's a positive example of like he was good early and he stayed good. That was kind of like the you peaked in high school sort of Christian Hackenberg thing. I was about to mention that, too. It's just like he came in and was like, great. And so everything was compared to that first year. So when he didn't live up to it, it wasn't as good. I thought Friday Youth was good his sophomore year. So, yes. I mean, that's, I think that's fair. And then once again, the tw- we can blame 2020 for a lot of things and he can blame 2020 because what they fractured this season, they were yeah. playing, then they weren't. And then he was coming back and then he was coming back again. So like, yeah. and then he was out. And a lot of his opportunities said like watching film, he had a lot of opportunities that the ball just didn't get there. Like wide open yeah. opportunities. There's a lot of yeah. guys that had that. It, the Indiana game. Yep. My goodness. That, yeah. They should have won by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's one of those games where it's like, like Indiana fans get to be happy about that. And they should be. And they had a great season. But like, you, there's some stuff on tape where you just go, oh, that was that game was in the bag. If they could like complete a pass in the first half. Yeah. It, oh man, I, when I think about that one, that one still makes me shake my head. And, and we all, I mean, as fans, those are the type of ones that you remember. Um, and you don't remember like a, like a Rutgers beat down or something like that from four years ago, but I'll remember the Indiana game forever. Yeah. <laughs> it tattooed in there, huh? And I was like, why are you so jaded about Penn State football? Uh, well, Indiana in 2020, that's why. What was the other Indiana game? Uh, oh my god! It was like eleven or twelve. With it was Tevin eleven. Coleman. Eleven. It was okay. eleven. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was Man. um. Yikes! Yeah, or maybe it was fourteen. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. There was a couple of games where they were like we lost Indiana. Really? Yeah. It's been like forty years, and then we lost a. And, and I say we because I'm a fan now. That's <laughs> a media guy. But like, I was like, really? They lost them again? You gotta be kidding yeah. me. Go back to the previous 40 years. Might not have to worry about Indiana. <laughs> right? Yeah, or Temple, right? Not to not oh, to bring my. up the greatest hits of uh of of the sanctions, but like, yeah, that's exactly right. Of like that that's the and that's the time like when we were in school and then post school was all of that emotional scarring, right? Yeah. Oh an opening day loss to Ohio. To Ohio. Gerald Hodges yeah. returned a punt. Well, he didn't actually. He tried. <laughs> I forgot about that. And now that you guys Gerald Hodges, I love Gerald Hodges, but my gosh. It was like, <sighs> anyway, what was nice though is you know, we talked about the scars, but the, the one game I, w- I was able to go to that I'll remember forever is that the Big Ten Championship game in 16. Uh, as much you went as to it, that? It, yeah, I was there. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, this is a little road trip. And uh, as much as I'll forget, uh, I'll remember about Indiana. I'll, that will disappear from my memory memory a lot sooner than than the Big Ten championship game. I, like right. I saw like I think like right on the 10 yard line where they stopped them. Like it was you could see that he was short. Right. Yeah. Like dead, dead straight ahead of me. So it, it's. That was a great game. 
Last question. Um, what do you think the season will be like in 2021? Like, just broad strokes, sort of. Do you think it'll be a good season? I'm not going to, like, hold your feet to the fire because I hate giving predictions. I hate... What do you think their record is going to be? And in 2020, I was like, you know what? They could lose one game and I wouldn't be surprised. I think that I, like... They could lose them all, right? Yeah. Yeah, I... Hell Uh, if I know when it comes to the projections. But, like, what do you think their their chances are in 2021 uh it's gonna be a roller coaster i think that's yeah there'd be ups and downs i just uh i'm never like a person that's gonna say well they're gonna go undefeated like i'll want them to win every game but i don't i don't necessarily think that going in yeah. uh i do think they they're gonna start off the season rough and then like with a rough schedule so if they can get through that undefeated i think they have a chance to like have a very special season but it can go off the rails quickly and yeah uh, it'll be really hard to gain traction like you're not like the rest of the big 10 got better it's not like a guaranteed win when you go to northwestern now it's yeah or indiana like we just talked about like the teams are better yeah yeah, and that's uh, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Is that even the teams on your schedule, like you got to be aware of everybody. The every other year thing with Michigan, whoever's at home wins that game, um, mm-hmm. and then Northwestern plays tough now. And uh, the the other game that I, I think is going to be interesting, in just from a like almost like a science experiment thing, is the Auburn game, because I don't know I don't know what to expect from Auburn getting a new coaching staff. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think they're highly overrated to begin with. So measuring yourself up to an SEC team early in the season, that gets you a lot of clout. But I don't know what it does for you as far as like they're another power five school. But are they if they were in the Big Ten, would they be Minnesota? Would they be Michigan? Like, I don't know where they would fit into the Big Ten. So, right, I, you know, right. that's a huge opportunity just because I think they're down and they've got a big enough name that it will it will help you out quite a bit. So that, right. that's one that I'm just fascinated to watch in general. I guess my parting shot would be that I think they'll end the season in the top 25. Yeah. Yeah. And after last season, I think I think Penn State fans need that. I think that's a that's a that'd be a huge win, you know, from the from what happened in 2020. Right. And then we can just talk about who's going to be the quarterback all damn winter and <laughs> spring like There'll i just be two I new ones I, I, I can't wait right yeah my god you get you have free content for like eight months like oh, i'm bored what should i talk about let's see who's gonna be the quarterback that'll, that'll work I, I can do 30 minutes on that again i haven't done that since yesterday <laughs> uh well brian thanks for coming on this has been a ton of fun i uh, i hope we can do this again yeah me too thanks for having me Cheers.